Well, let's continue to worship the Lord with the reading of Scripture in Acts chapter 9, verses 26 through 31. It's been what we have been studying, we are studying, we'll continue to study and want to read that. And then also use 2 Corinthians 5, which we read a little bit earlier as the basis of our study this morning. So Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 26. When he, that's Saul, had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And uh, And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It multiplied. In this, uh, these few verses, we see Saul of Tarsus doing some things he never thought he would have done. Willingly and joyfully joining followers of Jesus. He would have never thought he would have done that. Speaking to Hellenists. People from Greek culture, I'll never do that. But he's doing it. Why? So he's met Jesus and has transformed his life. So we're going to pray together and then study that together. Father, I thank you. The, the, the life of Saul of Tarsus teaches us that you can transform our lives. Where we are doesn't have to be where we stay. You bring about help. You rescue us and deliver us from things that we could never overcome on our own. Thank you for Jesus. And I pray, above all things, it's him who's magnified as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, of course, you may be seated. And uh, Acts chapter 9 there in front of you, we're going to study together as we're in a series of sermons, really talking about and learning what a healthy church is as we're gathered here together, what is it that we're supposed to be doing, and what, is, uh, what are the priorities, rather, in our lives? One of my favorite YouTube videos I've ever seen is about, a, uh, it shows a dad who looks like he's around 65 years old, and uh, the, uh, the tag or the heading of the video is, uh, colorblind dad sees. And the videos of this guy, some of you may have seen it, I, I, I love all those videos, of, uh, of the little baby who can't hear and getting the cochlear implants and the hearing the voice. I mean, I will watch them all day long. But this one is of a dad, and he's standing there, and there's some balloons out. It must be his birthday, or maybe it's Father's Day. It's not quite uh, clear, but they've got the camera set up because the children and the mom know what's coming. They've invested money to get him glasses where he'll be able to see the world in color for the first time in his his life. And it's pretty powerful. He doesn't quite know what's going on. They hand him the glasses. He kind of looks at them and then he puts them on. And when he puts them on, he's just frozen for a moment. And then he has a moment as he's looking around and really for the first time in his life sees the blue sky. There's flowers nearby and he sees the color. It's powerful because he just kind of breaks down and starts crying. And they all quickly go and hug him and say, for the first time, he can really see. Friends, that times 10,000 is what happens in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, 2, and 3, where it says, Saul 
Saul of Tarsus, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. That informs us when we get a little bit later on in the chapter, when the disciples of Jesus here, Saul's in Jerusalem and he wants to come here, they say, we don't want him here. This is who he had been. So just hear me one more time. Who you are doesn't mean that's how you have to always be. God can change you. Amen? Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And then Saul's life has been transformed. And I just want you to see a little phrase here, a little bit later on in the chapter, where it says, verse 15, the Lord said to this man named Ananias, who's going to go to Saul and speak to him, says, go for Saul is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So here's the picture. He's going to Damascus with letters, right, from the high priest. So when he gets to the synagogues in Damascus, he can arrest people. So the transformation can be understood this way. He goes from carrying letters that are going to harm other people and are on the basis of anger, ungodly, unrighteous anger, to now his life's been transformed. And he's no longer carrying those letters. He's now carrying the name of Jesus. And he goes from letters to Damascus to letters of Ephesians writer. Do you know what I'm saying? Instead of I'm going to arrest some people, Saul's life has been transformed. I'm going to set some people free. And that is a remarkable transformation that God has brought in his life. But, but here's what he's saying. His role now in the world is to carry the name of Jesus. And that leads us right into this uh, theme of living as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. I think Paul exemplifies this. And I want to draw you in to understanding your life as being an ambassador, not drive you to it, not saying this is what you need, but this is what we can do. And I think 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 through 21, is an elaboration on where Paul makes a statement elsewhere in the New Testament, live worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Does everybody know what an ambassador is, right? The United States has an ambassador to Russia, persons living in Moscow, you know, the G7 summit was recently when all these uh, uh, people who work in diplomacy got together. And then, and then America sends ambassadors to different countries. And the ambassador's role is to represent the interests of their nation in foreign places. So can anybody here name the American ambassador to Russia? Anybody name the American ambassador to China? Is anybody able to name the American ambassador to St. Lucia? Other than say, I'd sign up for that, right? I mean, that, that sounds like a doable job. Can anybody here name the president of the United States? Probably everybody can. And that demonstrates the role of an ambassador. Hey, friends, it doesn't matter if anybody remembers your name. It really doesn't. You are not called to carry your name. You have been called to lay that aside. And the blessed privilege is so much better to carry the name of Jesus. You're appointed to your, as an ambassador of Jesus where you work. Did you know that? You are an ambassador of Jesus in the neighborhood you're living in right now. In fact, the healthiest way we could probably view the church is the church of Jesus Christ is an embassy of ambassadors of the Lord Jesus where we are. 
Paul understood his life in these terms. He understood that he's an ambassador of Jesus. So we're going to flip over here to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and walk through it. If you've got a sermon outline, you might look at it, catch your breath. I know it looks like a lot, but we're going to go through it quickly. And we're going to aim that all of it's really helpful. But we're talking about Paul understanding his life in the terms of being an ambassador of Jesus. And so whether he was in Corinth, whether he was in Athens, whether he was in Jerusalem, he knew that his responsibility was to be a representative, an ambassador of Jesus. So no matter if he's speaking to well-off Lydia or the Philippian jailer, whether he's talking to interested in spiritual things, Timothy, who can talk about the things of the Lord all day, or apathetic to the things of God, Festus, whether he's in the synagogues where most everyone has a working knowledge of the Scriptures, or the Areopagus of Athens where they'd never even cracked open or looked at a scroll of Scripture, Paul lived as an ambassador of Christ. And we see that in Acts 9. He went in and out among them and speaking to the Hellenists, we're told he spoke and disputed with them and then they were seeking to kill him. It can be dangerous to live as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. But whatever living as an ambassador of Christ may cost you in this life, it's nothing compared to what you will receive in glory having served the Lord Jesus. Well, if you've got an outline or want to follow along the notes on the screen, we'll start with this. 2 Corinthians 5 uh, can teach us first the responsibilities of an ambassador of Jesus Christ. So again, an ambassador is a, is a representative commissioned to serve in a foreign country for the purpose of accurately communicating the positions and policies of the government he or she represents. That was true in the Roman Empire, and it's true today. So what are the responsibilities of an ambassador? Well, first, there on your notes, ambassadors must be loyal to the one they represent. We're here in 2 Corinthians 5. Let's look at verse 9. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him, to please the Lord. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. This is really helpful, the way that Saul uh, does this. He views his life with the end in mind. It's the beginning of our section of Scripture, and he's viewing his life through the prism of what happens at the end. He says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what he's due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. I like listening to the rain, don't you? But I've got to... One day, I will stand before the Lord. That's sobering, isn't it? I'll stand before him. And he knows. He knows what you've really done. Now remember, you don't have a father that you have to say, I hope he'll never find out. Now, he, he's not going to find out. He already knows. Amen? Nothing is hidden from his sight. And he knows what you most need is Jesus. The measure of how much we need help is that God sent forth his son. And Paul, his aim is to please the Lord. Friends, is that your aim in life, a desire of your heart? I think what we set out to do is please whoever it is that we love most. And if you love yourself more than anybody, you'll aim to please yourself, which, by the way, guarantees you'll never be happy. 
because that's not what you were created for. You were created to please the Lord. Hey, as ambassadors sent out, when, when, when ambassadors are sent out, it's only a matter of time until they're called home to give an account, right? I mean, the American ambassador to Russia cannot just be living in Moscow doing whatever he or she wants to do. Amen? Not if they're going to serve as an ambassador. There is a huge responsibility to be loyal to the one they represent. And next here, under these responsibilities, as ambassadors must be a personal expression of the one they represent. That's what he says in verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, knowing I'm really going to stand before him, knowing I'm going to give an account of what I've done in my life, how I've used my days, how I've used my time, how I've proclaimed the message of the gospel. Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope that it is known also to your own conscience. You're to live as a personal expression of the one they represent. In other words, it makes no sense to represent a God of compassion and lack compassion. Makes no sense. Makes no sense to live a God to, to live for a God of holiness and not live a holy life. We're personal expressions of the one we represent. Well, Paul says something that's really helpful to your life. We need God's help to do this, though. He says. What we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. Anybody here wrestle with pleasing other people? Like you really wrestle with the fear of man? Like you spend a lot of time kind of worrying about what other people think about you? Paul just told us, in some measure, that you need to be liberated from that if you're going to be an ambassador of Jesus. Now, what's happened is this is now the second letter to Corinth that Paul has written. First Corinthians, he'd written a pretty long letter in comparison to some of his letters. And then second letter. I mean, Corinth had a lot going on in their church, is what we can learn. Because Paul has to write these two rather long letters. And what's happened is Paul's really been criticized. People have come along and told the people in Corinth, you don't need to listen to Paul. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And, and it's in response to that kind of criticism that Paul says, what we really are is known to God. Now, I hope, I hope it's known also to your conscience. In other words, Paul can say, I've lived as a personal expression of the one I represent in such a way that I can't ask you, if you really think about it, have I demonstrated compassion? Have I demonstrated a holy life? Does my message in my life, are they consistent? I want to be able to make that kind of claim. To to be an ambassador of Jesus in serving in the world, friends, it will result in you being criticized and misunderstood and misquoted and misrepresented. And you're simply not going to be able to track down and correct every single thing a person says about you or posts about you. You're not going to be able to have a favorable opinion from everyone. In fact, if you're living as an ambassador, not in a kind of callous, mean-spirited way, but in a godly way, Jesus himself said, beware if all men speak well of you. So Paul resolved this people-pleasing trap by saying, what we are is known to God. In 1 Corinthians, he said simply this, hey, the day will reveal it. The day will reveal it. I don't have to be caught up and worried about it. God knows the truth. And let's put the thoughts together. Who is it that you're going to stand before? You're going to stand before the Lord, and you can trust that he really knows 
the truth. And when you live as an ambassador of Jesus, it begins to mean a lot less what people may think about you. But Paul's able to say, I hope it is known to your conscience. In other words, he's saying, if you'll really think about how I've lived among you, your conscience will say, we have lived faithfully. So uh, an ambassador's main responsibility is not advancing his own interests, but rather the interests of the ones we represent. Next, we, we can see from the passage that ambassadors have to have a heart for the people to whom they're sent. Verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us. Maybe your translation says compels us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And I just have to tell you, I love that word concluded. I hear a lot of talk uh, in our day about being on a spiritual journey. And I think I know what that means. But friends, there have to be some things you've concluded, you've resolved. And Paul says, one of the things that I've kind of come to a conclusion about is that Christ has died. And if that's true, that Christ died for all, then that has all sorts of implications on now how I live in the world. Amen? Now, in the Old Testament... Or I'm sorry, I'll get there in a moment. In the past, Acts chapter 9, in the past before he knew Jesus, Saul would have no more come upon a group of Hellenists and spoken to them and shared with them than he'd have done anything in his life. There'd have been a huge wall. But now the love of Christ, isn't that what he says? The love of Christ compels me. What I do, I do because of Christ's love for other people. And here's the the glasses of faith, if that's the right way of saying that we need to put on. You, we, you and I, we have to see other people through this lens. Christ's love compels us. So Paul shows up to places and he can't not share about Jesus. The cultural barriers that separate people from one another in the world, whether that's ethnicity, language, socioeconomic status, your age and separation of generations that way. Whatever the cultural barriers that separate people in the world, they have no place in the church of Jesus Christ because of this reason. We do what we do because the love of Christ controls us. Another responsibility that an ambassador has is they have to listen as those who are under authority. Listen as those under authority. Verse 19. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Now, I probably should go and investigate and whoever the American ambassador to say... Russia is, probably just start praying for that person, right? But whoever that is, they wake up this morning, what's their responsibility? I'm sure their briefing papers need to be read over, but the responsibility is not to read over them, having received, here's the message from the government you represent, and decide I'm going to edit that. That's not what an ambassador does, is it? An ambassador never makes policy. An ambassador only shares policy. That makes sense. We're, we're not policy makers. We're policy proclaimers. And here's the proclamation. And policy is not the right word. The right word is gospel, good news. God has 
reconciled the world to himself. He's not counting their trespasses against them, and he's entrusted that message to us. So the American ambassador to Russia doesn't go into the diplomatic meeting and say, hey, you know what I think we should do around here? No, no, no. No. He says, here's what my government has decided. Does that make sense? Because now we live in a generation that wants to squeeze a lot of the good news of the gospel out. But as an ambassador, I don't pick and choose. Here's what I want to emphasize. I emphasize the whole good news of the gospel because all of it is essential. If someone is going to be, to use the term here, reconciled to God. How does the American ambassador to Russia or to Germany or to China know what to say? What would happen to the ambassador in one of those places if he or she began to say things the American government didn't say? First plane back, right? Isn't that true? So when we say we listen as those under authority, we say it because we believe God really has spoken. He really has. That the Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable. Famously, Joseph Kennedy, the father of John F. Kennedy, was the American ambassador to Great Britain in the years leading up to the Second World War. And the American president, Franklin Roosevelt, and Joseph Kennedy did not see eye to eye on what America's policy should be regarding assistance to Great Britain or how the war should be advanced or the strategy. So what happened? What do you think happened? When the president said, he no longer will speak for me, the ambassador was called home, and a new ambassador was sent. When Paul is saying, what we are is known to God, and I hope that it's also known to your conscience, he's saying, God's entrusted a message to me in such a way that the way I live and what I say is under authority. And if that's so, we can make the next point, verse 20, Ambassadors must speak as those who were given authority. I just want you to read it in the page with me. Into verse 19, God is entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. You see that verb? If you're a follower of Jesus, he's entrusted something to you. Now, it wouldn't wouldn't be difficult to kind of examine your life and see what it is that's valuable and precious to you, what you kind of hold on to 